Welcome to Kingsway International Christian Center Tirona, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. For more information, visit www.kicccanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. And all praise will be unto your name. We will not touch your glory. You will take all your glory. And all praise be unto your name. In Jesus' name we have worship. You know, I like that song that says, Take the stage, Lord, out of your way. I'm just a vessel. When you're done, take all the glory. There's another rap artist. Please sit down. Another rap artist, I mean, a lot of people don't like rap. They think rap is simple. All right. And wonderful anointed rap song. And I'm sorry to say, some people are vexed. How can rap be anointed? Wonderfully anointed rap song. And what the message of the song is, I can, I can play the background. Praise God. There's another sermon going on. I, I think it's the kids' church. Praise God. It's good to have them back. Hallelujah. All righty. Let's go into the word. Are we ready for the word? I think I need some. I need some help on my mic. And we will need some help there. If not, they will just come and take over this service. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you happy to be in God's presence? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm almost sounding like me. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. All righty. Hope. How many of us were blessed last week? What we kind of did was to lay um, the foundation of what we're looking into this couple of months, actually. And today we're going in another direction. And it is my prayer that your hearts will be open to receive God's word in Jesus' name. So our series is the greatest. We're talking about hope. We're talking about faith. We're talking about love. And part of what we talked about last week was that we will rise above the things that man and the world will give to us as sources of hope, and that ultimately our hope comes from God, all right? And today we're going into one of the scriptures we read last week, uh, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to be talking about shame today, all right? Talking about shame, not because shame is important, but because God is taking it away from our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. All right. God is bringing us into a season where the shackle and the power of shame is permanently destroyed. All right. And I think I'm getting a bit above myself here. But shame is one of the most powerful forces in the tool of the human mind. It's one of the most powerful. In fact, as we speak today, there are people who send wire money every week to secret accounts just because of shame. Because someone has something on them that must not come out. And the person can just change their mind. I know we agreed on $2 million per month, but you know what? I just feel like publishing this thing. Oh, sorry, let's make it $3 million. And they are wearing $3 million that nobody knows. Their companies don't know about it. Their families don't know about it. Constantly going to a secret account because of shame. Today, the Lord is delivering us from shame. In the mighty name of Jesus. And he's delivering our families also from shame. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. Romans chapter 5, from verse 1 to 5. We're going to 5, but we'll, we'll read everything. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Though whom, sorry, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Praise God. Is that in your Bible? So the hope that we have in God is supposed to cause us to do what? To boast. Somebody say boast. Somebody say boast. All right? So the hope that we have in glory, the hope that we have in Christ, is supposed to cause us to boast, not to feel any shame. Now he says in verse 4, sorry, I think verse 3, he says, not only so, but we also glory. That means we boast even in our sufferings. In the things we are not supposed to be proud about. In the things we never want to talk about. In those chapters and pages of our past that we, we want to ignore and behave as if they don't exist. It says that we glory also in those sufferings. It says because we know that the sufferings will produce perseverance. And perseverance will produce character. And then that character feeds into hope. Verse 5, I want everybody to read verse 5 together. It says, are we all ready to read together? It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Praise God. I'll read verse 5 again in the NIV. It says, and hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Praise God. So we are, we are just going to camp in that verse today. And we are going to look at hope does... What does that mean? Hope does not make a shame. Praise God. Praise God. Now, the oldest emotion recorded in scripture is shame. Let me put it in a better way. The oldest negative emotion recorded in scripture is shame. In fact, I had known this, I had known this from the word of God, and I was reading a, 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 a psychology research publication. And the author said the same, the very same thing. It, and the way they framed it was that the most powerful primitive emotion is shame. Most powerful primitive emotion. It means that before we could unravel the ability to feel other things, we had already known how to feel shame. Let me tell you what primitive means. Primitive means that things that you don't have to learn to do. Hello? For instance, when a child is born, there are primitive reflexes. Nobody teaches a child how to suck. Have you seen a baby going to the school of suck before? The day the child is born and you latch that child on the breast, what does the child do? The child sucks. Where did they teach the child how to suck? In heaven, praise God. <laughs> praise God. Are you with me this morning? All right. So in the same way, there are emotions that you are born with and you are able to feel them even having never experienced anything. And the very oldest one, chief of it, is shame. And shame is so powerful. By the time we break it down today, you will see that you number one, number one objective is you need to get absolute rid of it in your life. Number two is that you need to enter into a covenant with God that you will never use it as a tool. 
Because the phase that we are moving into now in church and outside the church is that when people come into a place of power, they begin to get an awareness of the tools available to them. And one of the tools available for a powerful person is using shame. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. Genesis, before we go to Genesis 3, 7, let's go to Genesis 2.25. Just flip a page before. He says, talking about Adam and his wife. He says, they were both naked. Somebody say naked. naked. The man and his wife, and we're not ashamed. All right? Now, when we use that word naked, I don't want you to, to picture somebody undressed. Because if, they were un if it was just being undressed, the Bible would have made it a bit clearer that they were undressed. The concept of naked there goes beyond not wearing clothes. It talks about a state of being fully exposed. Are you still with me? The word there, I believe, the, the Hebrew in that place is a room. All right? And it's, it's, it's a state of complete exposure. All right? So they are not just talking about clothes, even beyond clothes. All right? So it's not just that they didn't wear clothes. They were completely exposed completely vulnerable with each other and they did not feel shame. And the goal of every relationship that the Spirit of God is the conduit, the pipe through which the bond in that relationship flows, whether it's a church relationship between pastor and members, whether it's a marriage relationship between husband and wife, whether it's a relationship between head of department and departmental members, whether it's a relationship between a CEO and their staff, the ultimate excellence in a relationship is this. It's amazing that it's in scripture. Complete vulnerability without shame. Complete vulnerability without shame. That's the, that's the target. Now let's flip to when the devil entered into the scene and started corrupting the whole thing. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. When the devil showed up, he made a big mess of everything. Now the Bible says that the eyes of both of them were opened. We know that they were not blind. Hello? Adam and Eve were not blind. So the eyes he's talking about here cannot be physicalized. It, it, it is because they saw. I mean, the man saw his wife and he said, boom, glory to God. This is now born. Of, I mean, he saw her, right? He saw her. He saw her. He saw the animals before he named them. Was he going about like feeling you feel like a lion? You can't feel like a lion. You are not even lion yet. All right. Praise God. So they had eyes that could see. But it says here, it says that their eyes were opened, meaning that they got a degree of enlightenment. And that's what the world today has packaged into a terminology that they've sold for generations in our generation. We call it being woke. Alright, our generation calls it being woke. It means receiving another enlightenment. Let's not forget the ancient dragon, Lucifer, his name literally means the bringer of light. That's what Lucifer means. And that's why Paul says that we know that even the enemy can show up as an angel of light. That means that if you are waiting and expecting the devil to show up wearing black with red horns and all those things are, that we see in movies, you're going to miss him. Anyways, you, you can't miss him because he will still show his true colors somehow. Praise God. Now, the point we're trying to make here is that they received a version of enlightenment. 
I'm part of what's dying now. Now, this is how you, you know that every gift the devil gives, no matter how good looking it is, is a bad gift. Did you hear that? It might come packaged, it might come blinking, it might be glittering, it might be wrapped, it might be tailor-made. The Bible says that all that's good and perfect comes from above. God is the only one that gives good gifts. His gifts have no caveats. His gifts have no nuances. His gifts have no, no paybacks. He doesn't give you today and expect you to show up with favors tomorrow. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? So the devil gave them a version of enlightenment. But let's see what that enlightenment allowed them to do. It says that that enlightenment, their eyes became open, and then they now saw that they were naked. Apparently, this opening couldn't have been a good one. Because just before this, they were naked and were not ashamed. Now they've received wokeness. They've become woke. All right? And what is woke? Wokefulness. Oh, God. See, it's funny, but the devil can't, he can't leave you better. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. He can't leave you better. His nature cannot leave you better. He's a destroyer. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If he see, if he enters and he goes out and everything looks normal, it's not possible. He's stolen something. He's destroyed something. That's why we must shut every door. Through which the enemy must come in. We must shut it. No room for him. No room for him in our lives. No room for him in our families. No room for him in our church. There is nothing to steal here. Praise God. Praise God. So these same people suddenly realized that they were ashamed. They suddenly realized that they were naked. And what that new consciousness brought is that it brought shame. And whenever people feel shame... The first thing they do is they go into action. They try to cover it. They always try to cover it. Always try to cover it. Let me tell you another version of wokeness that the devil is selling today. The devil is telling people that the day you are able to stand outside naked, all right, and you feel no shame, then you've gained mental freedom, all right? And that's the whole ideology behind the nudism movement. All right, I was watching a documentary about, I don't know how many of us saw it, about a restaurant in the States where it's a nude restaurant. So you go in to buy food, nobody wears clothes. You just go in to buy food and they are just fine. All right. What they were, oh, we have here? Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, wow. I, I was looking far off, not knowing that it's just here. Here, we have, and there's a lot in Oh, wow. So they're even growing. All right, so there is, a, there is that work full. See, let me tell you something. For a lot of people, they cannot stand being in front of the mirror. For a lot of people, even in front of the mirror, there's that lack of self-security. Oh, this, this thing shouldn't be here. It should be this way. It shouldn't be this color, this spots, all, all sorts. Now, imagine your picture being online for everybody to see. All right, that's the level. Now, imagine you using your own hand to post it. Say, come and see. <laughs> come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Say, you have to love yourself. They call it self-love. See, all these scripts are the same Genesis 2 scripts. The guy has no new tricks. Praise God. But that's not even where we're going today. So we said that shame is, is the very first emotion. It's the oldest. 
the oldest emotion ever felt by mankind. All right? And nobody learns it. Nobody learns it. And we must not use it. And please, before we go to the next um, portion, I just want to plead with everyone in the house, especially parents. Especially parents. One of the best ways that people remember lessons is when there is shame attached to it. But spirit-filled people do not use it. Did you hear that? I'll say it again. The best way for a lesson to stick, you will never forget it in your life, is when there is shame attached. But good spirit, people that have the spirit of God in them, they don't use it. They don't use it. Let me see. Guys, flashback to when you were younger. Do you know there are a lot of things you cannot remember from when you were young? The ones I'm sure you can remember was when you felt shame. I'm very sure. The one I, I can remember when I felt shame. I can remember. I was sharing it with them during Bible study once. I was supposed to be one of the most brilliant guys in class. And we had an English teacher who was, he asked the question and he just had this an answer he wanted. He just wanted, you know when you, you don't want the right answer, you want your own answer. And people were just answering, answering, answering. The guy was just frustrated, like, I'm sure when I get to die, I'll get the answer. So maybe it didn't pain him. He just got to me. I just said one, one thing like this. The guy said, that is the most, I can still remember. He said, that is the most foolish, stupid answer so far. Imagine, someone who's supposed to be the most brilliant guy in class. <laughs> it stuck. It stuck. It didn't leave. Praise God. Parents do it subconsciously. I told you not to put your diaper. And you put your now, carry, carry that diaper, carry it, carry, let your friends see you, all right? That child, what you are doing is you are creating a dent. You are creating a dent in their psyche, and those dents don't go. Even therapists try, don't see. That's why you can remember. That's why you can remember. Shame is a powerful tool of memory. Pastors use it. They use it. You just come on stage and you just say, oh, um, Sister this, you've never sang off key before until today. She will never forget. Praise God. Thank God we don't sing off key in this church. Glory to God. Yeah. By me, you will never forget. Sometimes the shame is so much, some people leave the church. They just go. I can't stand it anymore. I had the story of a, of a minister who was anointed, filled with power, invited, I shared it with, with, invited to a place to minister, and then at the end of the, of the sermon, somebody sent a message to him, oh, I need to see you, I need some counseling. The guy wasn't discreet. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was, I mean, it just wasn't discreet. Sent the lady his hotel address, said, come over, let me pray with you. That one came over, had cameras in place, seduced him, slept with him, and they had the tape. And then the next day, imagine the same man of God that still ministered powerfully. And after the ministration, she just went to see him and said, man of God, I have something to, sh to show you. And just showed it to him. You know what? The, the guy couldn't handle it. The shame was too much. He couldn't even negotiate. People who have seared consciences, they will not be moved. Yeah, yeah. But he still had the fear of God. Praise God. <laughs> he didn't have the fear of God because what he did next couldn't have been God. The guy just had to go and kill himself. Kudu Anzuli truncated that destiny. Every life that should have met Jesus through that person, that was it. It was gone. He couldn't handle the shame. You know why? The church mysteriously, paradoxically, is one of the least forgiving institutions today. I don't know how we got there. I don't know how that is the case. The guy, you know, even David, when God showed up with David, 
David said, I would rather fall into the hands of God than into the hands of these human beings. You human beings. Praise God. So powerful people know how powerful shame is. They know how powerful it is. But spirit-filled people never use it as a tool. If you want someone never to forget something, use shame. All right? But Paul says, let me show you a greater law. There is a greater way. Love. And I don't know why we are just choosing to ignore it. Even in, see, I've been in churches. I've seen people embarrassed. And it's usually in the choir. Somebody in the choir steps to somebody in the choir. And then they are called on stage. And then they are just publicly embarrassed. Many times, those people are lost. Statistically. I'm trying to remember in all my years, one that stayed. Maybe one. I'm talking of a lot of years. I'm young, amen. amen. But I mean, we lose them eventually. Now, what am I saying? That ch every church should have church discipline. Don't get me wrong. But the foundation must be love, not shame. Because many times you are saying, well, teach them a lesson. Let's set an example for the young ones. So that the youth and teenagers will know that this is what happens to the one. The one who commits fornication. You know the funny thing? These same adults trying to teach youth and teenagers, they are doing worse. They are doing worse. Let's just leave that chapter and move on. Praise God. Praise God. How do I know that love is a more powerful tool than shame? Because we've not seen, we don't have enough evidence to show that love is more powerful because we've not used it enough. We've been using the one that has been working. Shame, 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 shame. Not, naturally, I detest that word. I don't like the word. I don't even know why we are, we are saying it today, but we have to talk about it. Because as we are talking about it, we are done with it. With shame. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I had a niece then who, in their daycare, if you did something and you didn't do it well, you know, and this is someone that could never make sentences. Already knew how to say shame. So if you do something, say, oh, shame, 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 shame. The first time you say, eh, no, even if they say shame on you, it was a lot of shames. Shame, shame, shame. Ah, I was like, man, I need to go to that your daycare and see. The, the person's heart must be so bitter. These are kids. They are not even two years old yet. And you're already teaching them shame, 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 shame. Praise God. John chapter 8 from verse 1 to 11. Jesus Christ walking on the surface of the earth had the opportunity to teach a lesson. He had a, a wonderful opportunity to, to release a lesson that would stick. The kind of lesson that we would never forget. The people who set him up wanted him to, to you know, if indeed you are God, this is an opportunity for you to, 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 to set the record straight. To set the record. John chapter 11 from verse 1. We know the story. It says... But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple court where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. Somebody said to teach them. He says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. All right, I'm reading a nice version. Other versions say caught in the very act of adultery. All right. And then he says that they made us stand before the group. Can you imagine that? They made us stand before the group. Can you imagine that? Group of people. So it's literally, imagine us having service now. Just that we don't have a lot of churches. We have one church in the city. So every church, imagine every church in Toronto being in this room. I know it won't work though, but just imagine it. All right. 
And then a lady is brought in, said, caught in the very act. I'm sure they didn't allow her to dress up. She probably just picked the bed sheet just to wrap her. I'm sure she was like this. And I'm sure as they were walking her, they weren't just walking and saying, oh, don't worry, we're taking you to Jesus. I'm sure they were reminding her of what the Lord said. And she was actually picturing her grave, looking at how stupid she was. So I replied that DM. I was saying, no, I shouldn't have opened that DM because that guy is not here now. It is just, if someone is caught in the act, was she sleeping with herself? So how come it's just that they brought? It was a strongly patriarchal society. So someone just told the guy, use the window and fly. Let's get the lady. Brought the lady, very shameful. In fact, without even saying anything, someone in, in the midst of multitudes alone is already enough shame. Brought her to Jesus. They brought her to the wrong person. The one who doesn't have shame. The one who doesn't endorse shame. It doesn't. It doesn't. God's hand is not in shame. I know we are using it a lot in churches these days, but God's hand is not in it. I was saying something, you should never come to church and leave church feeling worse. It sounds feel-goody, but I know that the Bible is not just a feel-good something. However, the message of Christ is good news. It leaves you inspired. It, leave, it leaves you looking forward to waking up the next day. It leaves you knowing that you might have been a prostitute. You might have replied 50 DMs and slept with 100 people. But indeed, when you meet Jesus, his love changes you. Are you with me this morning? So they took her to the wrong person. took her to Jesus. And they expected Jesus to say, oh, I am God. I am holy. I cannot behold iniquity. What have you done? You were sleeping with man. You were sleeping with man. Get stones, sharp stones. In fact, I'm sure they're expecting a stunt. I don't even know X-Men. And the way Magneto will just raise the metals. I'm sure they wanted Jesus to just raise the stones. You know Jesus talk about raising stones. If we don't, stones will just rise. Say, you will, you will not have to stone today. Be still and see the salvation of God stone. You know, they were expecting a miracle of stoning, a miracle of shame. That's what they're expecting. That Jesus will coordinate the training of stones. That's what they wanted. And they brought her to Jesus. They're like, in case you have forgotten the law, it is Jesus. We will remind you. Moses said, commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you have to say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have basis for accusing him. He says, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Praise God. Many people read this story and guess the question they're asking. What was Jesus writing? I'm like, oh my God, is that the only thing you can see here? What is he writing? He was writing your name. He was writing your bank account. Such a question. The guy was ignoring them. He was like, this is a non-issue with me. What she needs is my love. What you need is the love of Jesus. Shame might teach you a lesson. It is a lesson that scars and dents. My love heals and repairs. More so empowers you to live in a way to please me. Are you still following this morning? So Jesus ignored them. All right? And then they kept on questioning him. And he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to trace stone. And he says again, he ignored them. At this, those words began to go away one at a time. How did you, how did you see something there that you probably have not seen before? Do we have verse 9 on screen? That's the title is not actually shame. It's no shame. No shame. No shame. No. 
No, no shame. Praise God. Verse 9, it says, At these, those who heard began to go away one at a time. Is that in your Bible? John, where are we? John 8. John 8, verse 9. Let me just read from here. It says, And those who began, and those who heard began to go away one at a time. It says, Can you see what is next in your Bible? I don't know if it's in your Bible, my Bible. It says, The older ones first. Is that in your Bible? Yeah. The older ones first. The older ones first. Praise God. The older ones first. Let me tell you, hurt people somehow grow up to become hurt people. You will think they will become champions to prevent hurt. You know, there's a joke, they say it a lot in American churches, that they, are, they call them grandmas. Grandmas. Grandmas, we wear big hats. We wear long flowing gowns. And they come to church with their telescopes and microscopes. And then if they see you looking too beautiful, all right, I'm sure if they come to this kind of church, they'll just faint. <laughs> they'll just faint. Praise God. Grandmas have extra scarves, extra handkerchiefs, extra skirts. And they have wipes also. Wipes. The, imagine waking up preparing to go to church. You've not read your Bible. You've not prayed for the service. You've not prayed for the pastor. You've not prayed for utterance. You've not prayed for a release of the spirit during the worship. You've not prayed for salvation of souls. Nothing. The only thing you've done is to hold extra scarf, extra skirt, and wipes. So that when someone comes looking too good, you can wipe off their face. When their skirt comes looking too short, you can offer them a longer skirt. Can you imagine that? It says the older ones first. The ones who have lived with their shame the longest. Thinking that they will have learned to say, we, we grew up feeling this, we don't want you to feel it. They ended up becoming the champions of the same thing. Broken people becoming breakers themselves. And then Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, we are they that condemn you. And she said, No one, sir. And she said, I mean, this is one of the most profound statements in Scripture. Jesus, the Son of God, someone fresh from the act. This is, this is Jesus. He said, neither do I condemn you. That's powerful. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus said, go now and sin no more. That's love. In our life, she will never forget. Someone showed me love. When he had the, he had the legal backing and he had the mass backing. You know, there are two courts today. There's the court of law and there's the court of public opinion. Court of public opinion is a terrible place to judge a matter. But court of public opinion, they don't see, they don't see an issue. If I just show up now, whoo, there's blood. Court of opinion will not say, where is the blood from? How will you? We will just say, oh, blood. That's court of public opinion. Blood, ah, no, we have to do this. Then suddenly, they will hear that maybe I went to steal something and then the security system Laser just burnt me. They'll say, the same people, you shouldn't have stole. Then something has moved. Then news now comes out that I actually wasn't going to steal. I was actually a volunteer in the building, and the security people had not upgraded me with the security system. The same thing. That's why when the court of opinion is going like this, what a mature person does is you, what, you calm down. You wait for the facts. You plug out of all of it so that you can see clearly. People will just be shouting, why did he do this? Why did he say that? There was a story that trended a few, few months ago. I think they piped the story low now. 
about a particular guy who paid people to attack him, all right? Paid people to attack him and to frame homophobia and homophobic attack. Everybody just started shouting. And you see, especially when a lot of pastors, popular pastors, we have to lend our voice and speak against hate. And see, don't rush into a matter that you don't have the details. Because when the details come out, will you now do another post? update <laughs> praise god praise god praise god as powerful as fear and shame are god doesn't use them with his children we shouldn't use them you will be tempted to use them the more see god has told us that we are is raising champions here all right global leaders and shapers all right so you are going to be working in more influential circles. You will be employing people. You will be leading people. You will have the opportunity to use shame as a tool. Don't. The spirit in you is different. Did you hear that? Don't use it. There is a spirit in you and it is different. Fear and shame are always tools in the hands of that ancient serpent, the devil. The earliest seeds of shame are planted in childhood or some event that happened in the past. Praise God. Praise God. Many, many people don't like remembering. You know, there's a, I don't, I don't know, someone can help me. I know I have medical people in the house. There's a phenomenon in psychology where for you to cope with something you convince yourself that that thing never existed. You, 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 yeah. And this is not blanking of I choose to forget. This is, if you were in front of a lie detector, you would actually say it never happened. Because your being has been rewired to believe just for your sanity that that thing never happened. All right? And you find a lot of people who are broken and damaged. Putting on a facade of all is well. However, you know that all isn't well. Because all that is needed is the right trigger. The right trigger. The right trigger. I was reading a story, I don't know how credible it is, of a guy who was saying that, oh, this man of God that they're accusing, is now it, it happened in his past. I believe he's now born again and he has moved on and people should just be like Jesus and forgive and move on. And then he didn't know that his daughter was hearing the conversation in the room. So the daughter came out and said, Daddy, what did you just say? He said, yes. If they said the man raped somebody, then, I mean, if he's sorry, he's sorry. And then the girl said, Daddy, I'm sorry. I've never told you this before. It happened over 10 years ago. Uncle, this, this, this abused me, alright, and I expect you now to forgive him. You know what happened next? The, f <laughs> the family scattered. You know, it's easy for you to request of people what you cannot do, what you will never take, what you will never accept. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be, just put it away. You are, you are finding it to them. What you cannot take, you are finding it to others. So just forgive, uh, just forgive, just forgive. The man didn't know his own, under his own roof, his own daughter had been abused by his own brother. 
We didn't know. Now forgive. You'll be like Jesus. What will Jesus do? Praise God. Praise God. So the earliest seeds of shame are, sh are sown in childhood. And as parents, I'm, I, I've said this before, I'm saying this again. As parents, please, 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 please. I know we are praying for our kids. And I know we are bringing them up in the way of the Lord. But ensure you will have the temptation to use shame as a tool for them. Because the truth is, those lessons, they will never forget. If you want to discipline them, please discipline them privately. Discipline them privately. Or ensure that if it's public, and some others are looking, eh? Discipline them privately where? There's no, you must hear what? <laughs> Praise God, calm down. Every time you say, calm down. Use the more powerful tool. Use the one that is more powerful. Use love. And we're going to talk about love in coming weeks. I'm, love is not because our understanding of love, I, I don't know if I'm jumping a few weeks there now. Our understanding of love is Hollywood or, or Bonnie, Bo, is it Bonnie or Bolly? Bollywood and Nollywood. You know, when you say God loves me, you just think, oh, God is just chasing after you with, you know, with ice cream and, you know, breeze is blowing God and your own skirts too, breeze is blowing you. You know, it's just, it's just a funny feeling of, oh, God just loves me. And I, See, love is tough. And that's because love has a responsibility to the best, not the good. Therefore, love is tough. Don't worry, we'll talk about love. So when we say use love, it's not as if the, your child does you just say, oh, come, my daughter. Pastor said, we should not use shame. Oh, come, my son, let me argue. Pastor said, I should argue. No, <laughs> no, that's not what we are saying. We are saying that you can communicate a lesson without damaging a person. Woo, that rhymed. Glory to God. That rap album is coming soon. You will buy it. Praise God. Early sources of shame. Abuse. Physical abuse. Emotional abuse. Sexual abuse. Many people don't see... It is so serious that you can literally make altar call and then there are some altar calls also that are pro-shame. Pardon me? They are pro-shame. You are here, you've been, you, 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 you know the person even Jesus told she had five husbands. Jesus did not announce it on the pulpit. He was having a conversation with her. In today's church, somebody is here. You've had five husbands. Come out, come out. Let me lay hands on you. Why do you have to lay hands on me? Why do I have to come out? You are trying to heal shame with shame. If you don't come out, you will not be delivered from the five husbands. Better come out. Better to be embarrassed in the house of God than to be embarrassed. See, all those things are psychological tools of shame. And we have to start talking about them because it's happening in the house of God. You can pray for some... See. You can, the person can receive healing. Where you are not the one healing after all. It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God can touch them where they are. Yeah. And you can follow up with them for counseling after. Yeah. That's how it should be done. Not shameful carrying of shame. Praise God. Praise God. Gaps. A sense of being unwanted or being not enough. Many of us grew up with gaps. In fact, the energy we have in our adult life is because of the gaps we felt growing up. We just felt we were never good enough. Daddy, for some strange reason, doesn't love me. Mommy doesn't love me. Maybe they were expecting a boy. Maybe they were expecting a girl. 
Maybe because I'm the last born. Maybe because I'm the fifth born or the seventh born. Praise God. Not the way parents get lax after the first child. When you have your first child, you guys, yeah. Second and third one, cry does not kill. You child cry. You know, let child, I be just wondering, this is not the same intensity that you used to the other siblings. And what subconsciously does is creating gaps in that child. Child begins to self-doubt them. Am I wanted in this family? Am I wanted at all? Do I even exist? You know, there are some kids who don't believe they exist in their homes. You are just trying, trying, trying to please, trying to please. You think what they want is academic performance. You get the best result. Mm. Well done. <laughs> well done. I just move away like, well done. People who didn't even get up to half I got, their parents are clapping and celebrating them. And I came with the best result. All I get is, well done. Okay, maybe this is not what they want. They want an hardworking child. So you clean the floor, mop the, mop the ceiling. You know, you spray the roof. You, you remove all the cobwebs. And it's just, well done. How do they to please this, this somebody? This mommy, this daddy. It's creating gaps. Never good enough. And many people carry that same energy into their adult life. Carry it to the workplace. Never enough. Always needing feedback of you did well. But you know you did well. You executed on time. The clients are impressed. You just want your supervisor to say, well done. Some people bring it to the church too. You know the worship was powerful. I'm not saying we shouldn't give, give feedback. We should. It was anointed. People were blessed. But you just, you just feel somehow. Nobody said I was blessed. But you know they were blessed. Let me tell you, never build your life around the feedback of men. Sometimes they will give it and not mean it. And you will just, it becomes a drug for you. It's like your extra MJ or your extra cocaine. You just need to, to sniff approval. Oh, and some pastors do it too. Oh, pastor, that was a powerful. See, great. I've got into a stage now. I know the message is powerful. If you tell me, great. If you don't tell me, great. It is powerful. The power is not even me. It's God. It is already powerful. People are blessed. Hundreds and thousands are connected to us and they are getting blessed. Whether you feel so or say so changes nothing. We will stand before the one whose opinion matters. Is he going to say, well done? That's what counts. Not only was it. What, of what use is it when one million people tell you powerful message? And God doesn't feel it was powerful. No body blessed, no soul changed, no life transformed. Praise God. Praise God. Let's tie this up together now. Let's tie this up together. Second Samuel chapter 11. It's not an interesting story. I want us to read it. I was listening to a man of God. I mean, he posted this publicly so I can say his name. Um, Dr. Rapu posted this and was talking about how um, the scriptures actually show us how the way we respond and deal with issues, issues that people, you know, there are people who just, they will deal with any other thing apart from some things. They will talk about any other thing apart from some things. There are some things you just don't want to talk about, things you just don't want to see, things you just don't want them on your plate, you just don't want them on your table. And many, many times when you see people who are running away from some issues, is because those issues are untreated in their own lives, not because they like peace. How do you cure a wound that your own has not healed? How? So you tell yourself, we don't want to talk about this. I'm going to see right here in the life of King David. King David is a classic 
classic story of abuse. And we, we, a lot of us don't see it that way. Second Samuel chapter 11 from verse 1 to 5. The Bible says that at a time when kings go off to war, when kings go to fight, when kings are not at home, David was on his roof. Anyways, don't picture him being on his roof. Picture him being on Twitter, all right? Or he was on Instagram. And he went to that explore. You know that search button, that explore place, where you see people that you don't follow, all right? People that your followers follow or interact with. And he was just scrolling, and he saw a slay queen. And he just stopped there. Clicked that profile. Was not a private profile. Was like, oh, I can see her pictures. And then clicked that picture. He saw the first one. That was the time the man of God should have closed it. That was the time he should have closed it. But guess what the man of God did? He scrolled. He saw the next one. Oh, wow. Next one. Wow. Scrolled. Oh, she has a lot. Continued scrolling. And was admiring the lady. Just that this was before there was social media. So he had to like do this physically. So yeah, let's go back to the Bible. <laughs> he was on his roof. From his roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. I believe the woman was really very beautiful. David, the man after God's heart, probably had an issue with beautiful women. How do I know? When Baba was old... I'm very old. They said, we know what gets Baba. Let's do, you know, they literally did a beauty pageant and they looked for the most beautiful virgin in Israel and they brought her to him. Although the Bible tells us that he didn't have any relations with her. I love the way the Bible just says this thing. He didn't have any relations. It wasn't related to her, right? So for those who don't know what that means. <laughs> so it wasn't, and it was, I think her name was Abishag. That's the name of the lady. The same lady that caused problem after Solomon became king. That the brother showed up and said, you know what, this lady that was keeping daddy warm. Babe, is fine. So it's not just, you know when you're not just beauty queen. You're both first and second run out. There's no, there's no one after you. Say that's the one I want. Solomon said, eh, after you ask for daddy's ex-babe, the next thing to ask for is what? Is the kingdom. So go and treat the guy. Praise God. Praise God. So David asked for her to come. And many times we just, we just look at this as a case of careless man, fine girl. It was not a case of careless man, fine girl. It was a case of powerful man and a lady who couldn't say no. She didn't have the option of saying no because this was the king summoning for her. Now if you have any faint idea about kings... In fact, I'm not talking of ancient, I'm talking of pretty recent times. In my own country, I had tales that if you had a, a wife, listen, a wife, a sister, a mom, and anything female that was just too good to the eyes, whenever the king was coming out of his palace, go and hide your wife or your sister. It doesn't matter whether she's wife or single or married or young or old. If the king wants her, he gets her. That's it. That's what they call it. That's, that's what they call it. He, he just, see, and it got so bad that when the king realized that, I can't see everybody. So the king's right-hand men, the chiefs, it was now their duty to do all of that. So when the chief is coming, oh, is the, is the land peaceful? Only the men will come and, yes, it's peaceful, be going. The land is peaceful. 
the light, we know you are not looking for peace. You are checking who is here. Because the more freshies you could bring to the king, the more the king knew you were thinking about him. Such a world. So this lady couldn't say no. It was abuse. King James just couldn't use the strong word. What David did to the lady was that he raped her. It was power. It was a powerful man. It was an helpless lady. She was married, but she was helpless. Her husband wasn't even at home. Came to the palace thinking that I was have, have a chat with the king. It wasn't chat with the king. It was relations with the king. They were related. Praise God. Praise God. And she couldn't say no. You know, I read something and I agreed with it. person said there is no such thing as consensual sex. Um, if it is sex, it is supposed to be consensual. And if it is not consensual, it has a name. It is not non-consensual. It is rape. That's what it is. And the illustration the person gave was that there is nothing like drowning swimming, which is when you swim but you don't drown. Or they're swimming. It's either you're swimming or you're drowning. So it's either it's sex or it's rape. And many people don't know this or say this. I, I, I'm saying this because our messages go out, not for this church. But even in, in a marriage, there can be rape. Between husband and wife. There can be. Someone is saying, doesn't the Bible say the man owns the woman and the woman owns the man? Yes. But it doesn't say man abused the woman and woman abused the man. You know you can read what you want to read from the Bible. And you, you can back up anything with the Bible. Praise God. Praise God. And with all this story goes on, and then David graduated from rapist to murderer, from murderer to hypocrite, chief hypocrite. When the prophet showed up, told him a story, he said, that man must die. What kind of wicked person is that? He must die. man of God said, you are the man. You are the man. You are the man. And David thought, okay, I was done with that area of my life not knowing fully well that the seed had been sown in his family. His own son was attracted to his own daughter, and he just couldn't help himself. Second Samuel chapter 13. We know that story? Very sad story. The guy went to go and look. You know when people are looking for advisors to give them good advice, how to start a company, how to move revenues from millions to billions? This guy literally went to a consultant on how to rape a girl. And that one said, form sickness. Form sickness. Tell your father, insist on the person you want to come and take care of you. Let that person come. Now, because of our time, our time I was hoping we'll finish early today because I have to pray. Alright, so I, I need to move fast. There's a verse I want to go to here. Now, the Bible says that I'm reading from verse 12, 2 Samuel 13. I'm reading from verse 12. Now, this is, her name was Tamar. And then she said to her brother, she said, No, my brother, she said to him, Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. If I'm supposed to read this in New Testament language, I will say, No, my brother. I can still say my brother. Or no, my sister. We shouldn't do this. There is a blood that binds us together now. We shouldn't be doing this. No, we shouldn't be doing this. Don't force me. This should not be heard in the church. It should not be heard in the community of the righteous. 
It should not be heard among believers that this is going on. And then she said, what about me? How will I get rid of my disgrace, of my shame? What about you? You will be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep you from being married to me. He says he refused to listen to her because he was stronger than her. And then he raped her. Verse 15. As it was done, the Bible says that he hated her with intense hatred. Wow. That's strong. Hate is already strong. So for you to put an adjective, intense hatred, it says, in fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amon said to her, get up and get out. He says, no, she said to him, sending me away will be a greater wrong than what you've already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. So he called his servants. Now listen, something I want to show you. He says, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So the servant bolted her out and bolted the door after her. Now, listen to the next phrase. It says, she was doing what? She was wearing an ornate robe. For this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. That's instructive. She had been broken, but she, had, she still had the covering of purity. She still had the covering of honor. All right. Knowing fully well that this is the last time that I'll be wearing this dress. This is the last time that I'm supposed to have this honor. All right. Devil comes to ravage us and to destroy us, to put us in very deep. For some people, you're saying, Pastor, I get, I get what you're saying. But the shame I feel now is nobody must see my bank account. Nobody must see the bills that I owe. Nobody must see the debts that I'm in. I remember the last time I had financial integrity, when I felt I could stand and speak. Say she wore her own robes. The kind that the daughters, the virgin daughters of the kings were, knowing fully well that that was going to be the last time. Verse 19, Tamar put ashes on her head. She tore the honest robe that she was wearing, and she put her hands on her head and went away, weeping aloud. And then without the story continues, she told her brother, her own same mother, brother. Do you understand? Exactly. So that one was like, no, 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 we are not having this. We know the story didn't end well, right? We know the story didn't end well. But I want to show you something in verse 21. Can we all read verse 21 together? If it can be on the screen, let's read verse 21 together. But when King David heard all of these, what does he say? It was what? Do you know that was the end of it? He was very angry. Finished. And in Colomon, we don't know if he even saw Tamar. We don't even know if it was right for the king to still see her. Based on their laws. We don't know. The only person he was bothered about was Absalom. Because he knew that one was going to, he could kill anybody. Praise God. Issues of shame must never be swept under the carpet. It must be brought out. If you have God, then you have a great physician. He can heal it. If you don't have God... Look for help for a counselor. Get therapy. You know the beautiful thing? Even today, they are now spirit-filled, born-again, God-fearing therapists. So you get best of both worlds. Not only say, we're coming from the pulpit. Can't God just heal everything? God can. God can. But you will need somebody to, be, to confirm your healing. 
You need somebody to confirm that you have healed. That those things in places that you've not talked or thought about for years. That the devil is just waiting for the right scenario. Just to paint that picture of your past. And to get you convinced that you are unworthy. He's waiting. But God can heal it. He can heal it so well. That the day the devil brings out those tapes. Like we're going to play it on the big screen. We're going to show it to the world. And you're meant to be shaking and say, oh no, devil, please don't play the tapes. Guess what Jesus has done? His love and his blood has wiped it clean. That the moment the devil puts the tapes on, whether it's on 4K or HD, it doesn't matter how many people is gathered to come and watch. What they are seeing is the perfect work of the blood of Jesus. Such that you are able to feel no shame, only love, only healing, only joy. And you are now in a place where you can now spread hope. You can spread love. You can spread healing. People who didn't heal well, people are still broken. They are the ones spreading such damage today. But the healer is in the room this morning. I said the healer is in the room this morning. I'm not doing any altar call today. I'm not calling you forward. But you know the areas where it hasn't healed completely. You know. But I'm here this morning to say I know a healer. It doesn't just do hypertension and diabetes. It doesn't just heal cancer. It heals the mind. The place where nobody can put a stethoscope. The places where we cannot even measure the pulse or the BP. He knows the events of your past. He knows those things you've never shared with anyone. Even your parents don't know. Your husband doesn't know. Your wife doesn't know. Nobody knows. But he knows. He said, I've always known. Isn't that beautiful? He's always known and he still loved you. He's just waiting for you, for, to, for you to give him the consent. He's a physician. He needs your consent. He's saying, I want to accept your healing. I want to accept your healing. Would you let me come in? Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I knock. If any man hears my voice, let him open. He says, I will come in and I will sup with him. I will sup with him. The physician is at the door of your heart this morning. And he's knocking. He's saying, I know this matter is not resolved. I want to heal you. I know this abuse is not solved. I want to heal you. I know you were molested as a child. I know it's not news to me. But I want to heal you. I know you've always felt unwanted. Maybe your parents even told you they were not planning to have you. Maybe you had a peep into your parents' will. And you saw that your name wasn't there. It was as though you did not exist. People are talking about you in the place of work. Everything just seems upside down. The physician says, I know. I know. But I want to heal you. I think you are valuable. For some people, they've never heard it before. God says you are priceless. You are priceless. You are worthy. You were worth the blood of my son. If it was just you, I would still have come. I would still have come. If it was just you, I love you that much. He's healing you right now. He's healing you right now. He's healing you right now. You're more real than ground I'm standing on. I sing it softly. You're more real than 
thoughts, it's thoughts that define us, not our past. Your thoughts define me. You're inside of me. You are my reality. He's a good, 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 good father. some of you, you are suddenly feeling lighter. It's as though you've lost weight. He's taking away that baggage, that shame. He's saying, you have trusted in me. I will not put you to shame. You've looked unto me. You will not be put to shame. You could have cut the corners. You could have compromised. But you chose to look up to me. He says, you will not be put to shame. 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 We belong to you. The great physician is in the house. He's doing his work. He's doing his work without knives, without anesthesia. He's working in the very fabric of your being. He can reverse time. We can go back to the past. He knows the circumstances of your birth. He can go there. He can heal it. And suddenly you feel, you feel worthy. You stand in front of the mirror and you see this beautiful person. This one that is recklessly loved by God. This one that the God of the universe is so crazy about. He loves you. He loves you that way. He loves you. 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 He knows about those habits. He knows about those things you've done in the dark. And he's saying, come unto me. I won't use shame. What you need is my love. I can empower you to go and sin no more. I can. I can. Empower you. I can empower you. I can empower you. To you. Hallelujah. I want to read a scripture and I want us to pray. Wherever you are, you don't have to stand up where exactly where you are. I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to read from verse 1 up to verse 7. I'm going to read verse 7 three times. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom to the captives. Release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all those who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. It says to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. 
They will renew the ruined cities that they have been devastated for generations. So strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work on your fields and vineyards. And you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Verse 7. He says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will receive, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. I'll read it from another version two more times. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be theirs. For the last time. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in your portion. Therefore, in your land, you shall possess double. And everlasting joy shall be yours. Right there where you are, say, Father, I receive double honor for everything that has brought me shame. I receive not just a total restoration, not just complete healing, but I receive double honor. Those things I've never talked about. Now I am able to not just talk about them, but to reach out to people going through the same thing. I am able to comfort others with the comforts that I have received. I receive double honor for every financial embarrassment, for every emotional disgrace, for every moment of helplessness and dis disappointment. I receive double honor, double, double, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Have you been blessed this morning? Come on, give the Lord a big shout. I know you might not feel like shouting, but what God has done deserves a shout. He deserves a shout. Our God is able to do exceeding abundantly. More than we could ask or think. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Bless God. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Praise God.